Okay. All right. I'm going to invite you, even before you return to your seats, to come receive communion elements, which we will then take in a moment. This is Philippians 2. Have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Friends, would you take the body and the blood of Jesus? He humbled himself for you. That's why I name you. I try to name you as you come up and receive these elements because this was a personal thing that he did for, insert your name here. So take and receive, in Jesus' name, be blessed. Lord, thank you for your goodness towards your people. It, it seems limitless. The, the extents, the depths to which you will go the depths to which you will even sink in becoming human and obedient to the point of death. As we step back and consider that, what else can we do but say, wow, and worship you and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you did this for us. Thank you that you did it while we were still enemies. Thank you that you did it before we had said yes to you. You had already said yes to us. Thank you that you welcome us home. Thank you that it's because of what you have done that we can come home to the welcome of the father who throws his arms and a robe around the prodigal son and says, welcome home. My son is back from the dead. And it's because of what you have done, Jesus. So thank you, Jesus. No wonder this passage goes on and says that God exalted Jesus to the highest place. May we worship you because of what you have done and because of where you now sit enthroned and worthy of praise. We bless you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, If you were here last week or you listened online, Jeff Gowdy gave us a challenge. Let me just remind you of that. He said that back in the day, he had been challenged and, uh, by another pastor who said, let's pray into this word trophies, that God would put someone on our heart who would become a trophy for him, someone who doesn't currently know Jesus, but that by coming to Jesus, 
would become a trophy to show God's goodness, God's glory, God's power, God's love to everyone around them, and it would have a ripple effect. And he told a very long story about that. I challenge you, I challenge us to take up that challenge. And it, it, like I said in the email this week, if you do, I, I will, and you let me know, like if there are some people that are actually saying, yeah, I will pray into that. I will ask God to give me a person. I will pray for that person between now and Easter. I'll invite Jeff to come back and give that gospel message to the people that God has led you to pray for. So why not do that? I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that message if you haven't. This uh, past week, I was, I was asked to be a pinch hitter for a Bible study here. And because uh, the, the guys in the program here come from a range of experiences uh, in terms of exposure to Christianity or lack of. Um, in fact, when I'd done a Bible study here a number of months back, I, I just pulled the guys that were there in the room and said, how many of you have had any exposure, any meaningful exposure to Christianity prior to coming here? And it was like three out of 12 or something like that. Um, and so because of that, when I, when I led the Bible study this week, that I, I just wanted to start off by reminding uh, us, my, myself and, and the guys in this room, that, that the reason that we, we study this book is because we, we need to get to know the designer. Because th- this is what reveals both the designer and the way he has designed us. And we want to live in in alignment with our design and and in a relationship with our designer so that we might more fully live out that design. The the passages that we are looking at um, today, the ones that I sent out in the email this week, are, are particularly important for our design particularly important for the, the ways that God is calling us forward as a church and forward in John. It, we want to get to know this designer more. We want to live according to the design. And that's why we're going through, we're, we're, we're spending just a couple of weeks to review where have we been. And in particular, where have we been with these three chapters, chapters uh, 5, 10, and 15 of John. Um, Nathan, would you do me a favor and just pass out those questions to any? So these are the questions I sent out in the email. These are the questions that I I passed out back in December. Uh, I called it recap for review. So if anyone, Nathan's just going to kind of go up and down and say, does anyone need these questions? I'm going to refer to them. So feel free to flag them down and say, hey, I could use this reminder. Uh, Some of you probably still have it in your Bible. Some of it, some of you will, well, all of you will probably have it on your phones if you open up your email because I sent it out this week. But they're they're actually going to be really helpful in in preparation for what is coming next, because it's sort of silly to say that John 2 follows John 1 and so on. Um, But everything up in John has been leading us to the point of chapter 15, and that's where we are now. And it's worth going back to say there are a few points in particular that are going to be really helpful and even needed. There's a couple at the back still. there are a couple points that need to be emphasized from John 5, John 10, and John 15 before we can move on in this book. So today is not sermon, today is Bible study. 
okay? And by Bible study, what I mean is I, I'm not the, the preacher, I'm the facilitator, and you are not an audience, you are the participants, okay? Or this won't work. So, no pressure. Okay. I'm going to read John 5, uh, a fair amount of it, and then we're going we're to have a chat about one of the questions from um, that section in John 5 that you see in front of you. So would you go to John 5, please? Okay. John 5, beginning at verse 1. Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I've no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred and while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man man was cured and he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. <laughs> was a Sabbath. Uh, was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, Well, the, the man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. But Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. Pause. When Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, um, all of Jesus' words are important, but when Jesus says the following words are important, they are even more important. Make sense? Okay. So, very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. Let's pause there. <clears throat> 
Bible study time. How was this man healed? Sorry? I heard faith at the background, in the background there. Faith would have been important, right? Without faith, it is impossible to please God, right? God, God considers that one of the crucial things, okay? Through the, he was healed through the power of God. He didn't self-generate this, right? And not even by his faith. He obeyed. Obedience is crucial. He trust. He trusted God. Trust and faith are, are synonymous, pretty much, right? We faith can be somewhat abstract, but trust is more specific, right? That uh, I trust you, Jesus. Yep. He wanted to get well, and Jesus clarifies that, doesn't he? He because he first asks, "Do you want to get well?" That, that, that's curious. I haven't parked there, but that would be worth um, mulling over. Why, why that particular detail was included. What else was involved in this healing? He, meaning the, the, he had to get up, yes, the man. Mm-hmm. He had to do it. He had to obey. Yeah. He had to participate in receiving the healing that had been granted to him. So he didn't generate his healing, but he, in a sense, opened himself up to it and participated in the process that it was, uh, that was given to him. If you want your healing, it will require that you levez-vous, right? Stand up. There's more. Pardon me? Belief. Yep. Faith, trust, belief. These are all, Yep. Um, different nuances, this similar concepts, yeah. How did Jesus heal this man? He forgave him his sins? That's an interesting part of it, isn't it, that comes out later. Um, so a similar nuance to, a similar detail to when the, the man is lowered through the roof and rather than Jesus saying you're healed, first says, son, your sins are forgiven. Um, that it's, it's interesting that that is somehow part of this. That when Jesus finds this man later on in the temple, he says, stop sinning, that nothing worse might happen. You might relapse and worse, perhaps. How else did Jesus, what, what else was involved in Jesus's healing of this man? He offended religion. Say more about that, would you? Why do you think that's important? Jesus intentionally healed on the Sabbath, and by doing so, what Joel just said is he exposed the hearts of the religious people and showed by doing this that they cared more about rules than about the person actually being made well. I don't know if you've seen this this particular episode of The Chosen, um, but when they, they show this episode on The Chosen, Jesus heals this guy one hour before the end of the Sabbath. And his disciples say to him, um, you know, why didn't you just wait? But it was actually Jesus's intention to poke that religious bear. Jesus will sometimes intentionally offend people, especially the religious. Look out, Benjamin. Right? You think we're going to be any different? 
there's still more. How did Jesus heal this man? He spoke. Yep. Which, I mean, where have we seen someone do creative things with nothing other than speech? Pardon me? Yeah, like page one of the Bible, right? Very interesting. Sorry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Ben's pointing at the healing that John and Peter are part of in Acts chapter three, um, where there's a man who is also um, an invalid at the temple gate, and he asks for some money, and Peter says, well, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk, and reaches down and grabs this guy's hand, and, and the guy gets up and is healed, illustrating a number of things that we have already just talked about, both the participation in the healing, uh, the speech um, being crucial to that. And, and one further thing that you will want to park on and meditate on later is, what does he have? Peter claims to have something. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, I give you. What does Peter have that heals this man? Because whatever it is, it's the same thing that you and I have. See, I'm hearing a number of different answers, and none of you are wrong. Yeah, so that's what I'm hearing. Holy Spirit, faith. Um, so keep going with that. Thank you, Sarah. Would you look at the, that verse, please? So the, the question that Sarah is answering is bringing us back to John 5. And I asked, how was this man healed? So look at verse 17. My father is always working to this very day, and so I too am working. And then verse 19, the son can do nothing by himself, but he can do only. So I, the, the man, he, he's speaking about what, was, what had just taken place. The, the man was healed, and Jesus says, I can't do this by myself. I can only do this healing which I see the Father doing. The Father loves the Son and shows him everything that he does, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. So what's happening between Jesus and the Father as Jesus walks past other people by that pool who are also in need of healing? But what is happening and this, this is not rhetorical. I'm throwing this back out here to you, Bible study. What's happening between Jesus and the Father such that this man gets healed? God the Father has in the moment been directing God the Son towards this particular man and revealing this is what I want to do. And here's how you'll go about it. The Son can do nothing on his own can do only what he sees the Father doing. There is a connectivity between Jesus and the Father. And it is our job to learn from that relationship and step into that same relationship that we might see the same things happen. Intimacy, friendship, conversation, has with, with God himself, 
has this kind of result. Do you believe that enough to step into it? Do you believe that enough to foster that relationship moment by moment by moment that we might see similar things happen? There's more. So that leads us to John 10. Would you go to John 10, please? Look at this, another truly, truly, I tell you. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, Jesus is speaking, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Let's pause there. Actually, I want to look at verse 27 too. Jesus is still speaking and he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. What is the purpose of hearing God mentioned in this passage? following. Does anyone here want God to lead them? Does anyone here need some leading from the Lord? Does anyone here not need that? Because your life is just awesome in every aspect, right? Zero problems, Nothing is confusing. I have all decisions made. I need no help from any outside source. Is that you? Okay, so we need this. So once again, how, what is the purpose of my sheep hear my voice? To know, to be led. We, we are designed to hear God. And by here, let me remind you once again, I mean, pick up whatever communication God is laying down, whether it's words and verbal, or whether it's the picture, whether it's the sensation, whether we, we've talked about this so many times. And yet here we are once again, if you want to be led, we need to grow more and more and more in the recognition of all the different ways that God speaks. If we are ever to navigate life in the way that we were designed to navigate life. My sheep hear my voice. So why do sheep sometimes no longer hear very well? They're skittish and they fear. That is such an interesting insight, Sheila. Thank you. Fear, I think more than possibly any other thing than simply believing God doesn't speak is what will block you from hearing God speak. Because you're afraid of what he's going to say. It's just a trust issue. If that's you, friends, please, please get some help with that. We love helping people work through that stuff to hear better, that each of us might be better led. We just want to be led better. 
We're just, how many times have we, we sung that song, Just a Closer Walk with Jesus? Well, are we going to take the steps necessary to discover that closer walk with Jesus? If you can't hear God, I don't think that means you aren't a sheep, but I do think that that is going to mean you're going to have a very difficult time being led. And life happens. Let's learn to be led well. Go deeper in this. There is more. And here's the way. Let's go to John 15. Jesus is speaking once again. And he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. This is rhetorical. This is not the Bible study question. Are any of you being pruned? As in, life is, has some particular challenges at the moment, and you're asking why God but this is the actual answer to that question. Pruning is not necessarily a fun process. The trees don't look, or vines don't look pretty uh, as it's happening or afterwards for a while. But the result of that process will be more fruit. Verse three, Jesus continues, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. They, they must be attached. Is there attachment? So neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me, unless you're attached to me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So this is my command. Love each other. When we talked about abiding a number of weeks ago, 
Abiding is the other word for remain, remain in my love, abide in my love, stay connected. So I made this comment, abiding is not a quiet time. It's not your, your daily bread or your, your devotional time or your two-hour prayer walk or something like that. Abiding is not a devotional time. But now I will ask you, what is abiding? Walking with? It's an action word. All the time. That's what you said. Is that right? It's ongoing. It's not a short time period. It's not an activity that we then leave aside. It's to be an ongoing with, like the word you just used. Ongoing connection. Ongoing interactivity. It's always in relationship. I'm not married at certain times. I am always married. Right? But then it, it, it's, it goes further than that, and it, it's not simply... Um, you know, being in the state of being married, but then it's that ongoing engagement in whatever you are doing. That's where the marriage thing will slightly break down there. But can we remain connected more and more to the point that there is friendship? So how are abiding and friendship related to what we just talked about in John 10? Friendship is personal. And what is one of the most basic things that friends do? Yes, spend time together. And what do they do when they're together? They talk. My sheep hear my voice. And they are led. Yes. Yep. So Joel's reminding us that it's more than just the verbal voice, right? It's the way that... Um, when you open yourself up to being led by God, you'll be driving and suddenly go left. You'll, as you're saying goodbye to someone that you've been talking to for half an hour and you suddenly reconnect with God, you get the one more thing that actually changes the nature of that conversation or the nature of that relationship. It's the, it's the image that comes to mind that you don't know why it's there. And then you discover that the, um, the image that came to your mind two hours ago, you're now seeing right in front of you as you have a conversation with someone else about God. I, I had this picture come to me in prayer time, this random like white hat. And then two hours later, I'm at a friend's house, I'm praying for him, he's gone through some health conditions, I'm, I'm up there visiting him, and I'm walking out of his garage, and we are, we're parting, we're just saying goodbye. And as I'm saying goodbye, I look up on the, like, the corner of this guy's garage, and there's the hat that I saw. I'd never been in his garage before. Because God was indicating something. But it, it's growing in awareness. It's growing in recognition. It, it's, it's over and over again learning to open ourselves up to the pause. What are you doing, Lord? And the more and more that you do, the more and more you can learn to respond to, to the ways that God is so gently teaching you Braille. Remember, we, we've used the Braille analogy over and over again. It's hard to learn Braille because it's subtle, and it's foreign. 
but people learn Braille. Okay? So yes, it, it's, it's paying attention to when is this feeling just my own stuff? And when is it, when is it something that God has put there that, that is somewhat of a compass for the moment? He even abides in our sleep. It's not dismissing the dream because there's a moose running away. Anything? What does that have to do with anything? That was the first dream I recognized. And I need someone else to tell me that was from God because I'm just like, random moose. Almost ran me over. But abiding and recognizing God's communication are hand in glove. And if we're to be led, we're going to need both. Being with and being aware. And you will get more. Verse 15, second half. I no longer call you servants because the servant does not know his master's business. That's the first half. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. He makes known. Now that seems past tense and that's fair enough, but twice on, once in chapter 14 and once in chapter 16, he talks about present tense. I'm revealing things to those who love me. So that's 14 verse 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me and the one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love that person and will reveal myself to that person. There's more. There's, there's actually further engagement, further opportunity, more depths in God. But it comes from abiding and recognition of communication and being led. So rhetorical question, pause. What is the one thing that you can do this week to take a next step in friendship with God? I want you to pause there. Reflect for a moment, even ask the Lord, what's the one thing that I could do this week, Lord, to go a little deeper in friendship with you? I'll give you a minute. Okay, let's move on. The questions that I handed out, the questions that I emailed out, um, please consider as part of your friendship time with God, um, going over some of those Specifically, some of the ones that in each of these three sections, there is a conflict. There is a mention of a conflict. And that's where John goes next in the second half of John 15. It's conflict between people because of what Jesus does, because of what he says, because of where this is going. I know we all want good news all the time. But part of good news is actually there's hard news too. And we would, we would sue our doctor for malpractice if he only ever gave us good news, right? Because that's just flat out deception, right? And we have a better doctor, right? And so we are going to need to look at some of the hard stuff and the difficult news. And so that's why I've given some of these questions as preparation for reflection so that we can, we can be prepared for some of that. See it in, in the earlier chapters in John because the second half of John 15, which is where we're moving towards, um, it's, it's got difficult news. And your preparation isn't just knowing that difficult news coming is coming. 
The very last thing that Jesus mentions before moving into things are about to get really difficult is friendship. It's absolutely crucial. So that's why we've circled back yet again to abiding and friendship and God's voice and, be, and being led because you need this. I need this to move on in these days ahead and to move on in this book because we can't just want good news. And it, in Jesus's view, it is essential for navigating the more difficult stuff that's coming. So I bless you with depth of friendship with Jesus. I bless you with intimacy and abiding with him and new things to open up for you as you step out in obedience and faithfulness and trust and say, I will engage with you. I trust and I claim your word. My sheep hear my voice. You said it. I'm a sheep. Teach me your ways. We're going to need it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the incredible offer of engaging with friendship with you. It's incredible to me that you you already call us friends and and the opportunity is now there for us to engage in that friendship, to meet with our friend, to be led by our friend, to hear and respond to our friend. And we, we need you, Lord. We need you. There are things, there isn't a lot of hope on the other side of these doors. We're going to find it with you. You're going to be our rock. You are our anchor. You are the one who never leaves us and never forsakes us and strengthens the weary and empowers your people. So Lord, would you, would, you, would you establish us in foundational friendship with you? That what comes next would not be able to shake that foundation at all. Thank you that you avail yourself to your people. You make yourself available May we take you at your word and say, yes, Lord, thank you for the offer of yourself. Just as we celebrated it in communion, where you offered yourself, you continue to offer yourself to your people. And that's why we will go back into worship. So we love you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. could use your help with refreshing bathrooms, putting chairs away after this, but first a blessing and then an opportunity for prayer. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that means God's favor and gift to you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, your heavenly Father, 
and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The fellowship is friendship engaged. May the friendship engagement of the Holy Spirit be with all of you this week. Amen. Um, our Sunday night group that goes out to the streets every communion Sunday, we offer an opportunity for anyone that just wants to come forward and receive prayer for anything. It could be prayer for healing, it could be prayer for I surrender all, it could be prayer for the latest relationship challenge. If you would like prayer, you are more than welcome to come forward and receive prayer. Uh, for the others, please uh, help with the bathrooms, the chairs, and bless one another as you go. Have a great week.